So that really gives me tremendous sense of fulfillment, being with my patients in my practice, or whether it's getting out in the world and trying to make a difference with a, with a group or with an audience, whatever you're doing. For me, it's all about service. When you're around a while, you realize how interconnected everything is. And really, you know, service is like the glue that makes everything tick. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe, and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits, and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine, and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly, and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. As a practicing family doctor with expertise in lifestyle as medicine, my purpose is to encourage and support you in terms of positive health, personal growth, and all things well-being. As I say, to never stop starting. Each month on a live webinar, I teach learning by doing and learning by being. The why and the how of health enhancing habits, giving you the science as well as support strategies to live with more vitality. I'd like to invite you to join my self-development club. To learn more and to sign up, visit drmarko.com. Welcome everyone. My name is Dr. Liana Lianoff. I'm the founder and president of the Global Positive Health Institute. And uh, this is our Global Positive Health Institute podcast series. And today I'm delighted to have with us as our guest, Dr. Mark Rowe, who's a family physician based in Ireland. He's an expert in lifestyle medicine, positive psychology, positive health, has been a proponent of happiness prescriptions, and has recently written uh, a book, The Vitality Mark, and uh, we're going to hear more about that. So welcome, Mark. Thank you so much, Liana, for having me. I'm delighted to be a guest on your podcast. Yes, it's exciting to have you. And I would, I'm going to dive right in and ask the question, how you got involved in happiness studies and well-being? You know, I'm a, I'm a family doctor, Liana, which really means I'm a people person. And I've always been fascinated by people. And of course, family medicine is much more holistic than, you know, specialist based practice. And you know, back in 2008, we had an economic crash here in Ireland. I mean, it was in America, it was worldwide. And I had a lot of patients who had, you know, really significant financial troubles, losing jobs, no income, living in fear of losing their homes. And a lot of young people emigrated, but a lot of people were trapped with commitments, families, mortgages, negative equity, the whole nine yards. And more than pills or Prozac, I realized pretty quickly that while some people did need medication, of course, if they were very depressed, that people really needed a new sense of hope, a new sense of purpose and meaning. They needed new skills and strategies to support resilience, really, and, and well-being. And that's really when I began to look at the pioneering work of people like Martin Seligman and Sonia Lubomirsky and really began to look at how bringing kind of these ideas of cultivating inner happiness and building resilience 
in other words, that strength-based approach as opposed to focusing on weaknesses, how it could make a real difference. And I, I really think one of the one of the fundamentals to this is just the the tremendous benefits of writing things down. Whether it's a written gratitude practice, whether it's reframing, whether it's simply you know, writing down a better version of you, you know, the best possible future self, writing down and connecting your everyday life to your values, whatever it might be, even writing down some simple goals, that that can have a really transformative impact for something that seems so simple. And when I began to bring these strategies into my practice, I found that people really liked them. And I found they began to make a difference. And people began to take some of these ideas on board. And I also began to apply them in my own life. And, you know, as they, they say in life, actions speak louder than words. And, you know, caring can be so wearing. And, you know, I did experience a bit of burnout in late 2013, uh, just situational burnout, too busy in, in a practice, overwhelmed by the workload and just not enough downtime. And when I began to use those strategies to support my own self-care, uh, I was really sold on these ideas. And now I really see things differently. And of course, in life, when you do see things differently, there's no going back to the old way of how you see things. And I really see health now as really being that fundamental interconnection between you know, mind, body, emotion, spirit, underpinned by a strong sense of purpose and in involving the environment you spend your time in. So really, I suppose that's, that's I suppose, a long-winded answer for how I became fascinated by the ideas of positive psychology and happiness and well-being. And that is what led you, I, uh, it sounds like, to start thinking about, writing about, speaking about your happiness prescriptions. So tell us a little bit about that and how you're using that in your medical practice. Yeah, so 2013, I began to do a one-man show for, for audiences in Ireland called A Prescription for Happiness, which went around Ireland and sold out a number of times. That then led me to write a book called A Prescription for Happiness. And I see it as being having an additional set of tools in the toolbox, as it were, as, as a doctor. So it's not that you push these to every single person you meet, but but at times they can be highly appropriate and relevant. And, you know, so I have a number of these that I call my prescription for happiness, the 10 commitments for sort of a healthier, happier life. But fundamental among them is, is, is the power of movement. I mean, uh, movement is medicine, exercise is medicine, the greatest pill of all, encouraging people to move more, the benefits of a written gratitude practice, um, the benefits of being kinder, not just to others, but to yourself, to building great relationships, to focusing on your strengths, uh, you know, to cultivating ideas like simplicity, spending time in nature and understanding, I suppose, more than anything, Leanna, as you know, only too well, that we all have the potential to choose um, how we respond and how we live our lives in, in terms of our purpose and our mission and connected to our values. So really understanding that we can choose to live more aligned to our values and aligned more to gratitude and appreciation as opposed to getting hooked on reacting to the endless volume of, of bad news and negative noise that's in the world. And we have a number of followers who are physicians and health professionals who are, of course, very 
busy. Some of them have been possibly struggling with some burnout symptoms. Just uh, life can be overwhelming just to be able to serve as health professionals. What advice do you have for them in how in their busy lives they can incorporate these principles uh, for themselves and also in a busy practice with patients? The first thing I would say to any doctor listening to this is uh, remember you're a human being too, like everybody else. And really you aren't so special. You are in a very privileged position in society to be able to serve others and people will trust you with their, their health and with their lives. But really behind it all, you're a person and you've got the same emotional needs. You've got the same physical needs. You've got the same uh, needs for to recharge from stress and for downtime as anybody else, even though the system that you're part of may fool you and trick you into believing that somehow you can surf the, the, the waves of illness, that in some way you're bulletproof or immune to uh, illness or to burnout or to anything else you're not. Uh, you know, ask many doctors around the world, how do you feel? What's your health like? They'll say, my health is great. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing just fine. But the statistics don't bear that out. If you look at the data for medical professionals worldwide, there's an epidemic of mental health issues, whether it's burnout, whether it's addiction, whether it's depression, uh, chronic uh, adverse health conditions, uh, tsunami among among health professionals. So you have to say, why is that? So that's just acknowledge the reality that if, if you are feeling burnt out, burnout, as I say, it's not final, it's not fatal. Uh, go and get some help. Go and talk to somebody. Talking can be a fantastic way to uh, to share your the issues, to share the struggles you might be experiencing, and 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 really, I would say as well as that, be kind to yourself and take good care of yourself. You know, it's a lovely saying, and it says, you know, if I was going to live, the, if I knew I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself along the way. And uh, why not really value your health? I mean, it's such a priceless asset. Everybody around you will benefit from you experiencing good health. And, you know, there are things, of course, that are going on in all of our lives that we can't control. Um, we can't change everything, but we can change ourselves. Maybe the only thing we can change is change ourselves. So having the courage to change yourself, maybe to cut back on your practice, to choose to spend more time exercising, to value your sleep, to prioritize your own self-care needs. That's really the starting point. And uh, as you're talking, which of course, all the advice you're giving makes total sense and it's according to what science is bearing out. Uh, but at the same time, we hear lots of health practitioners who say, well, if I don't have a private practice, I'm working for a large uh, company, healthcare company, a large medical group that have high, they have high expectations. I don't have control over my time, over uh, how, uh, how long I spend with patients, uh, being able to get, get breaks, the schedules are crazy. Um, and so I, I think that there is a lot written about organizational change that's needed as well. Mm -hmm. And it's this balance between doing what we can to take care of ourselves, but also hopefully uh, being leaders in promoting cultures of well-being where we work in the healthcare workplace. Any more thoughts about that? Yeah, well, I think it's, I mean, I know the, the American system is, is quite different to the Irish system, so I wouldn't like to talk about a system I don't understand. 
But, you know, increasingly, I, I mean, I work in primary care general practice here in Ireland and the workload is increasing. The amount of paperwork is increasing as more and more work and chronic disease is pushed into the communities out of the hospitals. And it just, for me, it just means it's extra important to insulate yourself uh, from the burnout that otherwise you're going to experience. You have to prioritize your sleep. You have to make sure you build exercise into your day. You have to give yourself some downtime. And that doesn't mean you, you can't work hard, but you need to work smart. And so often we maybe we're working long hours and we're doing a lot of stuff, but then in our off time, we're not doing, we're not recuperating from that stress in a health enhancing way. Maybe we're drinking out too much alcohol. Maybe we're, we're snacking late at night. We're not getting good quality sleep. Maybe we're not exercising. So maybe you need to get into a new group or get, 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 redesign your environment to make it more health enhancing, bring more fun into your life. But it's Absolutely. not easy. I, I agree. But there's, you see, sometimes I think, Liana, people can say, well, look, I'm working for this organization. It's too busy. They don't understand me. They don't care about me. So what's the point? So you can adopt that. What's the point? But, but that's not really going to change anything for you for the better. So it's better to make one small change to improve your own self-care for you. Uh, change what you can. And uh, that might give you the the energy and the vitality to maybe re reimagine your career, you know. And this, the thing about medicine is that it can be it is a marathon. And if you're in good shape, mentally, emotionally, physically, um, you know, you can you can recraft and redesign your paths. You could go into lifestyle medicine. You could become um, a health coach, you could take, I think, taking regular sabbaticals, I think is a very good idea. There's so many things you can do, but you need to be in the frame of mind and have the energy and the vitality to make good choices and then take advantage of those opportunities. Yes. And also there are a number of things we can do for ourselves that are not necessarily time consuming uh, mm. in the positive psychology world uh, really asks us to kind of look uh, for what's positive around us, even short uh, dialogues with patients, with coworkers that are positive, that positivity resonance, even those tiny things that shift our and reframe what we focus on can make a, a little bit of difference, even if we are so super busy that maybe we don't have that full hour to exercise as we would like. Uh, maybe we only have a few minutes, we'll take those few minutes, uh, but just having that eye towards uh, re reframing what we can do uh, that is within our control. You're so right. I call it micro moments of positivity, bringing those regularly and repeatedly into your day. You, you, you hit the nail on the head there, Liana. You, you know, if some people might think, well, I don't have an hour to go to the gym, so I don't have any time to exercise. Whereas you have plenty of time for movement. And of course, regular movement is probably even better than exercise, or at least as good as it. And if you can build that habit of getting out of your chair every half an hour, even just for a minute or two, you can just break the hole that, that, that you know, that, st that stress hormones have on you, that corrosive impact, and give yourself a little mini reset. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And so how, what do you do to take care of yourself? What's your favorite 
well-being habit. Uh, and there are many lessons from positive psychology and well-being, uh, the well-being literature. Um, how do you apply them uh, for yourself? What's your greatest lesson? Oh, the, the greatest lesson I think I've ever learned is, is, is that you need to take good care of yourself because nobody else is going to. You know, you have to really value your own health uh, or else you can you can work yourself to the bone. Uh, you know, there are so many things I like to do and I have a, I, I'm very fortunate. I've built a number of really good well-being practices into my day. Um, like I, I, I exercise pretty much every day. Um, I often keep a written gratitude practice. I value my sleep. Uh, I, I have a mindful practice I do every day. But to be honest, my the favorite thing of mine, because I was thinking about this when you sent me the questions, the favorite habit I have is what I call noticing nature now. And noticing nature now is, I mean, I love to spend time in nature. My wife and I are both avid garden lovers. And we're, we're very lucky. We live in beautiful kind of uh, garden environment with loads of lovely plants and going out among the plants that, you know, at the moment, the magnolias are out, the rhododendrons are coming, the camellias have been with us for two or three months. And actually taking a little photograph on the iPhone, we're now all photographers with our, with our, with our technology, taking a little picture uh, just can give you so much uh, joy and pleasure just to capture that moment in nature. And then you can look back on them afterwards. Sometimes I put little quotes to them and I put, put them out to share with the world. But noticing nature and really, it, it's, it's a really great mindful practice where you just, you notice the flower, you notice the plant. Uh, maybe you're become aware of the birds singing around and uh, just to be in nature, I think, I think it's really wonderful. Yeah, I, I think uh, as you're speaking, taking photos, which I've always loved to take photos of uh, beautiful uh, things mm. around me, including nature, art, architecture. Mm. Uh, I'm just realizing it's a form of savoring. It's a positive psychology yes. frame in that it's, it's right. beautiful that gives you joy. So capture it and uh, and relive it at a later time. So that's mm. that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So as we're talking about uh, really doing what we can for ourselves, taking care of ourselves, uh, looking at the positive, savoring, we have to acknowledge that these are very turbulent times. We've, we turn on the news. There's uh, currently a war going on in Ukraine. There's just world geopolitical unrest uh, here in the United States. We have we, we hear about more and more mass shootings, for example. There's just a lot going on uh, that makes this uh, particularly scary time in our lives. So how can we harness uh, this positive psychology and well-being science during these times particularly? Well, it's a great question. And of course, you know, positive psychology and positive health is not about denying reality. It's not about suppressing or ignoring bad news or, or, or negative stuff. But it's, it's, it's keeping it in context and it's making sure that you've got the right balance there. And of course, what I've learned over the years uh, from my own reading and also my own life is that, you know, negative news, it really does have an impact. Nothing happens in isolation. The research bears this out. And really, our minds are like sponges and we're constantly being influenced by what we expose ourselves to. So I think you need to understand that you need to limit the amount of negative news, whether that's on mainstream media, social media, whatever that you expose yourself to, 
because it's not it's going to have an impact on how you feel and you need to make sure that you balance it with enough positivity i mean you know they talk about the you know the tipping point for flourishing of of at least you know three at least three to one maybe four to one in terms of um roy baumeister who's probably one of the world's leading experts on on, on willpower uh he's a brilliant man and uh he talks about the low bad diet, you know, that you really need to keep the bad stuff in context. So, of course, we need to know what's going on. You know, there are a lot of challenging and really terrible things going on in the world right now. And it doesn't mean that you don't have empathy and compassion and that you don't take appropriate action to help and support as best you can. But you need to, to make sure that from your own well-being point of view, which is so important for sustainability if you're in the caring profession, that you need to bring, whether it's these micro moments of savoring, micro moments of positivity, little and often into your day. And it just keeps that tipping point of positivity on the right side of the, of the graph. Well said. Let's uh, shift gears a tiny bit and uh, talk a little bit about your most recent book, The Vitality Mark. Tell us all about it. Vitality Mark is something I wrote during COVID. And I, I, of course, during, during COVID, which is such a challenging time, I, there was a lot of patients who were you know, terrified to come into the practice, older people, even though we were, we were really busy they still wouldn't come in. So I, I started doing these short little well-being videos every day just to support people. And, you know, during lockdown two, I did 41 a day. And in lockdown three, I think I did 100 of them. And during lockdown three, I said, why don't I turn these into a book? And really just try and get that message out there about well-being and vitality and, and that interconnection between mind, body, emotion, spirit, and purpose. And I have to tell you, Liana, I had such joy in in writing the book. It really was a fantastic distraction for me. Um, and it was a complete switch off. And it was something I really got great fulfillment from doing and tremendous satisfaction from seeing it finished. And for me, that's what the joy was. I mean, if it, ne- okay, if it sold a million copies, I'd say, great. But the, the reality is, uh, I don't think it would make me any happier than I am right now having having achieved the task of finishing the book. And it is interesting how, you know, having a sense of accomplishment is one of those key areas of flourishing. And I think for me as a person, you know, achieving goals or achieving tasks like this is something that really gives me a deep sense of fulfillment. And then I get sort of handwritten notes from patients saying they bought it and they're getting, uh, you know, they're getting meaning from it and it's making a difference. I mean, for me, that's what it's all about. Sounds very fulfilling. And, and absolutely, uh, when we talk about uh, the Marty Seligman's framework of positive psychology, mm. PERMA, po- positive emotions, engagement, uh, relationships, meaning, and accomplishment, sometimes uh, doing a project like writing a book can hit on all of those <laughs> and, yes. uh, and is, is a way to, um, and we can all pick small projects and large projects because somebody might listen and say, well, I'm never going to write a book. But there are other small projects that they can derive the, the, the full PERMA experience out of, just set those goals, 
work towards them, feel the flow of doing the particular activity, find meaning in it, share it, build relationships over it, and feel the success, celebrate the success of the accomplishment at the end. I think something as small as, you know, just planting some bulbs in your garden uh, can tick all those boxes as well. We've got some beautiful yellow tulips that have just come out up near our gate. And, you know, we've got a, such a sense of fulfillment and, and meaning and accomplishment, just seeing those yellow tulips, they're gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, I love, love spring for all the colors. Absolutely. I'm an artist to myself, that's, I'm drawn to the color. Mm. Well, as we start to think about wrapping up, uh, I would love to hit on one more topic, which uh, is often talked about in positive psychology, and it's actually in the middle of the, uh, of, well, the two robust components of that PERMA framework I was just talking about are relationships and meaning. Um, and specifically, I'd like to dive into uh, meaning. Uh, it's called eudaimonia, meaning we have mm. a sense of uh, positive, sincere, positive emotions from finding meaning in small things, large things, uh, seeing our life purpose come together. And so I'd love to hear uh, what gives you meaning and how you incorporate this eudaimonia in your life. You know, it's, it's a fascinating question, Liana. And, you know, when I experienced my burnout, about eight years ago, it was something I really had to ask myself. You know, I had to ask, I had to recharge my own cup in terms of my own well being, but I really had to ask myself, you know, what gives me meaning? What gives me purpose? What gives me fulfillment? And I went back and I looked at Ikigai and, and Japan and those four questions, you know, what do I love to do? What, what am I good at? And other sort of my strengths. Um, what does the world need? And, and, you know, how can I be valued in terms of how? can I make a lasting, sustainable contribution? And when I looked at all of that and really thought about it, it was very simple for me, Liana. For me, meaning is all about serving others. And, you know, there's a lovely saying that says, you know, we, we make a living with what we get, but we make a life with what we give to others. And, you know, I was always drawn to, uh, to medicine, to being a doctor. And I think that's really fundamentally because I like helping other people. And while I speak and I do keynotes and workshops and lots of different things, fundamentally, I think at the core, I like listening to others, understanding other people and trying to support them as best I can. So that really gives me tremendous sense of fulfillment, being with my patients in my practice or whether it's getting out in the world and trying to make a difference with a, with a group or with an audience, whatever you're doing. For me, it's all about service. When you're around a while, you realize how interconnected everything is. And really, you know, service is like the glue that makes everything tick. And it so comes through. Here I am halfway across the world. You're in Ireland. I'm in Sacramento, California. And uh, the things you post on LinkedIn, uh, your intention of service to others and adding meaning to others that adds meaning to yourself, as you've just described, just shines through. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for all your contributions and everything you do. And really appreciate having you on our podcast. Any last minute advice for our listeners? Well, thanks for your kind words, Leanne. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, for your listeners, 
I, I always say, you know, uh, be, be good to yourself, be kind to yourself. And wherever you are right now in your life, no matter what's gone on before you, uh, today is a new day. And, you know, never stop learning, never stop growing. And, you know, by making some small little changes today, even just changing 1% in, in a more positive, more health enhancing direction, that can make a huge difference to your lived vitality in, in the years ahead. So thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast in the doctor's chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com. 